I'm told that these are the top New Year's resolutions that people make. To exercise better, to eat healthier, to save more money, to spend more time with family, to be a better person, to get a new job, and to quit smoking. How many of you made any resolutions this year? I can think of no better way to set the trajectory for our church for this new year than copying from the term that we are very familiar with, DUI, which we all know means that you're pulled over by the police for driving under the influence. Now, I am not going to be using that term. I'm only copying that term. I'm not wishing that any of you would get that. So I want to challenge us as a church to get an LUI this year. And what that means, or what I am making that mean, is that I want to suggest that we should get pulled over by the Holy Spirit this year for living under the influence. And so LUI stands for living under the influence. I need an LUI for 2022. Now, at the age of 30, Jesus has a very interesting uh, experience at the Jordan River with John the Baptist. So John is in the River Jordan, and he's baptizing people who are coming to him in droves because they have repented of their sins, and they want to live a new life, and they want to be baptized by John. Jesus somehow is standing in the line to be baptized, and he walks up to John when it's his turn, and he says to him, I want you to baptize me as well. And initially, John refuses because he doesn't consider himself to be worthy to baptize the Son of God. However, Jesus is very persistent. And John finally relents and baptizes Jesus. And as Jesus is praying, Luke tells us, the heavens open up, the Spirit of God descends upon him in the form of a dove, and he hears his father's thundering voice from the heavens saying, this is my beloved son. I am very well pleased with him. Now Luke does not tell us anything more about this incident. But in chapter 4, Jesus uses Luke's own pen to illustrate for us what living under the influence looks like or should look like for us in our everyday lives. So Luke chapter 4, reading from verse 1 to verse 13. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days, and when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time, and said to him, To you I will give all this authority and the glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. 
If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, it is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Here's the first point I want us to make this morning. It is in, a for, it is in the form of a formula, a mathematical formula, if you will. Full of the Holy Spirit plus led by the Spirit equals living under the influence. I want to suggest to us this morning that there comes a time in the life of every Christian when the real you, the real you, the stuff that you are made of, what is inside you, will be revealed for what it really is. It will happen to every one of us. It's called testing. Now, testing refers to the difficulties that God allows in your life in order to mature you. So God always has that objective when he tests you. He wants to mature you. He wants to make sure that your reliance is on him rather than other things. Or it can be temptation. And temptation is what the devil instigates in order to destroy you. So on the one hand, God will test you to mature you. On the other hand, the devil will tempt you to destroy you. Now how you emerge from either your testing or your temptation will be determined by two things. What you are full of and who you are led by. Always. However, how you emerge from your temptation will depend on these two things. Uh, what you're full of and who you are led by. Now, how different would it have been for Jesus if the opening sentence in our text this morning read like this? Jesus, full of himself, was led by his flesh into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. What if that were the case? And what if it had read like this, that Jesus, full of the cares of this life, was led by his anxiety, what he was anxious about, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Or thirdly, that Jesus, full of lust, was led by his own desires into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. If any one of those scenarios was true, he would have been easy pickings for the devil. Thankfully, the verse read, Jesus full of the Holy Spirit, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And so the principle that we find in this verse is this, that when you are full of the Spirit and led by the Spirit, you are living under the influence of the Spirit. 
And so we are, we are very clear in our understanding of this text that Jesus was full of the Spirit and he was led by the Spirit. Now you ask, what does that mean? And why is that even important? And how did all of that happen? And I believe that to answer these three questions, you must go back to, to, um, to Jesus' baptism. Because you see, Luke tells us in chapter 3 and verse 21 that after his baptism, Jesus was praying. Now, he doesn't allow us to hear what Jesus was praying about. But from what happened to him after, uh, as a result of his prayer, you can get a sense of exactly what he was praying for. Because Luke tells us that as he was praying, the Holy Spirit came upon him in the form of one of the most harmless and innocent creatures that you will ever find. A dove, an innocent dove, comes upon him. The Holy Spirit came upon Jesus in order to give him power. Power to fight the devil and overcome him. Power to fight his own flesh and subdue it. Power to preach to sinners and save them. Power to do miracles for people and convince them. Power to endure the cross and conquer it. As Jesus was praying, the Holy Spirit came upon him in order to give him power. Now, the evangelist Charles Finney wrote about how God gave him mighty infillings of the Holy Spirit. Quote, that went through me, body and soul. I found myself endued with such power from on high that a few words dropped here and there to individuals were the means of their immediate conversion. In other words, when the Holy Spirit came upon him by his merely dropping a few words here and there to them about their need for salvation, the power of the Holy Spirit convinced them of their need for immediate salvation. He continues, My words seemed to fasten like barbed arrows in the souls of men. They cut like a sword. They broke the heart like a hammer. But sometimes I would find myself empty of this power. I would go and visit and find that I made no impression whatsoever. I would preach and pray with the same results. I would then set apart a day for private fasting and prayer. After humbling myself and crying out to God for help, the power would return upon me with all its freshness. That is what happens when we pray, when we seek God. And so as Jesus was praying, the Holy Spirit came upon him in order to give him power. And after the Holy Spirit came upon him, we find him standing up because, you see, whenever the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he makes you stand up in order for him to display his power through you. And so we find Jesus standing up in the temple one Sabbath and reading these words from a scroll, Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. Jesus read this, and these were words 
uh, that had been written earlier by the prophet Isaiah. Jesus reads, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. As Jesus was praying, the Holy Spirit came upon him to give him power, and that power was to preach to the poor. That power was to free those who were held captives. That power was to open the eyes of those who were blind. That power was to free those who were oppressed. That power was to proclaim the Lord, the year of the Lord's favor. I want to say to us this morning that as our church engages in seeking God through prayer, the Holy Spirit will bring us under his influence. The Holy Spirit will empower us to overcome the devil, to subdue our flesh, and to do God's work. Because you see, that is always what God's power comes for. To overcome the devil, to subdue our own fleshly inclinations, and to do the work that God would have us to do. And this work involves proclaiming good news to the poor. Now we have a lot of poor people in Greenfield, no injury intended by those words, but that's just a fact. That all around us, there are poor people. All around us, there are people who are held captive by whatever, by ideologies, by habits, by sin, and they need to be set free. All around us, there are people whose eyes need to be opened to the truth about God. All around us, we see people and we come into contact with them daily who are oppressed by whatever. God wants to empower our church in 2022 to make a difference in the life of these people. Our second point is this, that you must become empty before you can be filled. You must become empty before you can be filled. Luke tells us, and he, meaning Jesus, ate nothing during those 40 days, and when they were ended, he was hungry. Now, we can't become filled until you're empty. Emptiness produces hunger, particularly if you're fasting. But at any time, if you're empty, your stomach has a way of telling you that it needs to be fed. You become hungry. The same is true in the spiritual realm. Jesus said, blessed are you who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for you will be filled. And so before the Holy Spirit can fill you, you must become empty of every other thing that you are dependent upon. Because you see, Jesus wants you to be dependent only on him. He wants to be your sufficiency. And so I want to say to us this morning that we need to get hungry for the Spirit of God. Because you see, whatever you are full of has you under its influence. People who are full of alcohol will be under the influence of alcohol, which means sooner rather than later they will get a DUI if they're driving. 
People who are full of lust and greed will be under the influence of lust and greed, and sooner rather than later, they will end up violating either their body or violating God's laws. People who are full of pride and anger and hatred will be under the influence of these vices. People who are full of gluttony for food or for drugs or for social media will be under their influence, will be at their beck and call. But people who are full of the Holy Spirit, they will experience the Holy Spirit influencing them to act in the ways of the Spirit. And that's what God's Word teaches us, that the ways of the Spirit involve love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Are you acting in ways of the Spirit? If you are full of the Holy Spirit, if I am full of the Holy Spirit, these virtues will flow out of my life every day, and people will notice that I am filled with His Spirit. And so before you or I can be filled with the Holy Spirit, we need to become empty of every other influence. This is what D.L. Moody once said. I quote him. I believe firmly that the moment our hearts are emptied of pride, selfishness, ambition, and everything that is contrary to God's law, the Holy Spirit will fill every corner of our hearts. But if we are full of pride, conceit, ambition, and the world, there is no room for the Spirit of God. We must be emptied before we can be filled. End of quote. Now, living under the Spirit's influence was not just for D.L. Moody. It is for every believer, every person who trusts Jesus Christ as Savior. We have to give ourselves to the Holy Spirit. If we have never done that before, 2022 is the year that we must do that. We must ask the Holy Spirit to fill us, to renew our mind, to restrain our impulses, to control our tongue and our will, to order our steps and our paths, to give us a hunger for the Word of God and for prayer, to train us to place corporate worship, prayer, and fellowship and discipleship at the top of our weekly priorities. Can I be allowed to say that again? That was a mouthful, was it not? We have got to train ourselves to allow the Holy Spirit to fill us, to renew our mind, to restrain our natural impulses, to control our tongue and our will, to order our steps and our paths, to give us a hunger for the word of God and prayer, to train us to place corporate worship, prayer, fellowship, and discipleship at the top of our weekly priorities, to give us power over the enemy, power over our flesh, and power to do God's work. And so Jesus demonstrates for us how that is done. Twice in this chapter, Luke tells us that Jesus withdrew from people. He withdrew from ministry. 
He withdrew from the public. He withdrew from busyness. And he went to solitary places to pray. Now, that is no longer a cool thing to do, is it? Not in our fast-paced 21st century. We don't withdraw. We're always busy. We're always doing something. We're always in the public eye. We're always going and going and going and doing and doing and doing. Very seldom, very seldom do we withdraw from these places to solitary places to make sure that we are devoting ourselves to seeking God through prayer and his word. That's what Jesus did. He demonstrated that. He went there to pray. Often he went there at daybreak, even before the sun uh, came up. Often he prayed throughout the night without sleeping. I've never, I've never pulled an all-nighter in terms of prayer. Jesus did. He teaches us that we should do it. Often he did this praying for 40 days and 40 nights. So what we find him doing is that he is opening up himself to the Holy Spirit's influence through prayer. And he emerged from those times of prayer with power to resist and overcome the enemy, power to deny his flesh, and power to do the work that God called him to do. Now, nothing allows you to empty yourself better than prayer and fasting. When you pray and you fast, you are emptying yourself of the things that crowd out the Spirit of God from your life, and you're doing so in order to devote yourself to the priorities of the Holy Spirit. James Packer says this, I quote him, there's nothing magical about fasting. It's just one way of telling God that your priority at that moment is to be alone with him. Your priority is sorting out whatever is necessary, and you have canceled the meal, canceled the party, canceled the concert, or whatever else you had planned in order to fulfill that priority of being with Jesus. End of quote. And so being full of the Holy Spirit and being led by the Holy Spirit, I want you to be aware, does not mean that he will not lead you into difficult places. Can I say that again? Just because you are full of the Holy Spirit and being led by the Holy Spirit does not mean that he will not lead you to difficult places. Just look at what happened to Jesus. He was full of the Holy Spirit, but he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now, I checked up the definition of wilderness. And these are the synonyms that I came up with. The boonies. <laughs> that, was a, that was on the top of the list. The boonies. <laughs> Wasteland. Desert. Backwoods. The middle of nowhere. Rough country. Even when you're filled with the Spirit and led by the Spirit, you may very well be led into these kinds of places. But I want to say to you this morning that if the Holy Spirit leads you to a difficult place, know that it is for a reason. Because Jesus has no desire in gloating over us if we find ourselves in hard and difficult places. It must be for a reason. 
Know that he won't abandon you where he has led you. We need to have the confidence of that. If he has led you into rough country, know that it is to test you to see what you are made of, to see whether you are really dependent on him, to see what is really in your heart. To see if you're serious about following him. Maybe to even humble you because you have been acting too cockily. Because sometimes we get cocky as Christians, you know that? We can get very, very cocky. If God does great things to us, we think it's about us and we get very cocky. Sometimes God needs to humble us. And so God led Abraham up a mountain where he tested him by demanding that he sacrifice the very son that Abraham had waited on God for so many years for. In other words, Abraham, do you really love me or do you love your son more than me? Do you love the children that God has blessed you with more than you love God? God tested the Israelites by making them wander around in the wilderness for 40 years in order that he might humble them. In other words, do you trust me rather than you trust your idols? Because you see, very often the idols in our life compete with God for supremacy in our hearts. God tested Jesus to see whether he would do his own thing or his father's will. And so just because God loves you with a love that cannot be shaken doesn't mean that he won't test you in your wilderness. And how you emerge from that testing will be dependent on what you are full of and who you are led by. Here's our third and final point. The wilderness will force you to decide who will have supremacy in your life. That's what testing does. To prove whether or not God will have, your, God will have supremacy in your life or whether something else will. And so Luke tells us, and Jesus answered him, the devil, as he was being tested. It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. So the wilderness is a place of both testing and temptation. Every one of us has a weakness. We sometimes are not ready to admit what it is, but we all, we all have some weakness. We all have some area in our lives in which we are so weak that if the circumstances were just right, and if we took ourselves from under the influence of the Holy Spirit, we will, in fact, yield to that and make a big mess of our lives. That weakness might be alcohol, it might be drugs, it might be lust, it might be the desire for quick money, it might be spending money, it might be your temper, it might be your tongue. And so the Holy Spirit wants to empower us so that we overcome our weaknesses and submit ourselves to his control and his direction. So the devil says, go after what makes you happy. God says, go after what makes you holy. The devil says, go after what gives you power. God says, go after what makes you worship. The devil says, go after the spectacular. 
God says, go after self-control. And so Jesus is showing us this morning how to live our lives under the influence of the Holy Spirit this year. Here's the bottom line of our message this morning. We need to emulate Jesus' example of being under the influence of the Spirit. Let me say that we're not going to do that perfectly, but we can emulate it. I want to end this message by reinforcing three principal things. I want to say this morning, first of all, to any person here this morning or anyone joining me virtually who has never invited Christ to be their Savior and Lord, I want to say to you this morning, invite God to be your Father. Invite God to be your Father. I want to ask you, can God say of you that you are my son or my daughter whom I love? Can he say that to you or of you? And if he can't say that of you, then I want to say to you that there's something that you must do. You must invite him. You must invite him to be your father. And the way that you invite him to be your father is to invite his son, Jesus Christ, to be your savior. Because you see, the Bible says that all of us, all of us have sinned and we have come short of God's glory. And until we give our lives to Christ, we are enslaved by sin. That is why we need a savior. So I want to challenge you to invite God to be your father by inviting Jesus to be your savior. And all you have to do is to ask him. And if you ask him and you believe, then he does it. I want to challenge you this morning just to take a few, few seconds, not a whole long time, a few seconds of your time to focus your mind and your heart around that thought of inviting God to be your father by inviting Jesus to be your savior. Secondly, I want to challenge you this morning on the, this very first Sunday in the new year to empty yourself through prayer and fasting. You need to become empty before you can be filled. And so I want to ask you to devote some time this year Devote some time to prayer and fasting, not so that you can accomplish something, not so, that, not, not so that you can say that I prayed and fasted. Devote some time to prayer and fasting just, just to be with God, just to, just to be in his presence, just to tell him what is on your heart and then listen for what is on his heart. I feel like this is so important that it might even make the difference between a wrong choice for you this year and a really great choice for you this year. Because by just slowing down, spending time in God's presence, you get to know God's heart. You get to know where he's leading you and directing you this year, what he wants to protect you from, what are his priorities. Join us on this 21-day fast. And we're not asking you to fast all day and every meal for 21 days. You can certainly do it. There's some people who do. I'm not asking you to. But if you can just fast one meal for the next 21 days, and during that time, just ask God, God, what is on your heart for me? What is on your heart for Brown's Chapel? Show us. And then join us on Thursdays as we are accountable to one another 
and we are documenting how God is answering those prayers. So let's empty ourselves that way. Thirdly, and finally, pray for the Spirit to fill you and to lead you. Pray for the Spirit to fill you and to lead you. Tell God that this is your greatest priority for 2022. For his Spirit to fill you and for his Spirit to lead you. For his Spirit to fill our church and for his Spirit to lead our church. And you have heard all of the great news of how God has worked in our church and how he has entrusted this great responsibility to us. We don't even have a clue of how to lead. Somebody said to me very humorously this morning, I really like the, the humor. He said, maybe God is going to test us to see how we lead with money. So we have led maybe without it, and now God wants to test us to see how we lead with it. We can only lead well with it if we are asking God to show us what is his priority, what is on his heart, how does he want to lead us into this year. Let us pray together. God, I know that the great desire of my heart, the continuing desire of my heart, is to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that I am preaching in the demonstration of the Spirit and with power, as Paul, the Apostle Paul said. God, there is the desire of many hearts this morning in this church to have this as, the, as their priority for the year, to be filled with your Spirit and to be led by your Spirit. God, we believe that there could be no greater blessing for our church for the year than for this to happen. And so we are starting this year by asking you to do that for us. We don't have to bribe you to do it, Lord. We don't have to cajole you or to convince you that you should do it. This is your great desire for the church. And God, we submit this morning, we empty ourselves of everything else that influences us and everything that we depend upon. And we say to you, you come, Lord, and fill our church and fill our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.